Good morning. I'm going to move that down just so I can see you. <laughs> I'm short. I'm really glad you're here this morning. I know a lot of our regular people are probably still traveling, as Pastor Bob is with his family. He got away and has spent some time in South Carolina with family, and they're on their way back today. And that's why I get to be here with you today. And we want to continue to remember those who are our um, HRBC family who are traveling. There are many of you who have family here with you today, and so they're going to be traveling back in the next few days, and Pastor Bob's traveling. My Katie just left for a mission trip with her um, Baptist Collegiate Ministry friends from William and Mary to go down to do some flood relief work in Louisiana. And they are loading vans at the Virginia Baptist Mission Board right now with their friends from the BCM at VCU. So those two groups have gone together to go down and help Virginia Baptists help our friends in Louisiana continue to recover from the floods in August. So continue to remember those people who aren't with us today. And I invite you to a little bit different um, look at scripture and this time of year. And before I start, boys and girls, I've taught you that sometimes you can listen to a message and you can make tally marks to count up the number of times somebody says a word. The word you need to listen for today is name. And after this morning, I will go on and count in my what I've got written down, and I will post that number on my Facebook account so you can check your number with your moms and dads, okay? And see how you do. <clears throat> this is a kind of a strange Sunday in the church year. We're still basking in the glow of the Christmas tree. Back here, anybody still have your tree up? Yep, came home to mine still being up. And we're trying to decide when to take it down and put all the trappings of the Christmas season away. We're still groggy from a late night of celebrating the gift of a clean slate of a new year. And many of us are trying to quickly change gears back to real life because school starts tomorrow. I keep thinking, school starts tomorrow, and we have to get back in that, we have to go to bed on time mode. In the context of the church year, it's not quite Christmas, and it's not quite Epiphany. Epiphany is when we celebrate the coming of the kings to visit the toddler, Jesus. So here we are with the opportunity to look at where we've been, Christmas, and where we're going. Forward to a new year full of possibilities to learn about and follow this newborn king. Today's gospel reading helps us as we tie what was to what is to come. I'll be reading the scripture from the New Century Version. <clears throat> the New Century Version is the red Bible that we give our first graders. Luke 2, verses 15 through 21. When the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the shepherds went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a feeding trough. When they had seen him, they told what the angels had said about this child. Everyone was amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured all these things, and continued to think about them. 
Then the shepherds went back to their sheep, praising God and thanking him for everything that they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. When the baby was eight days old, he was circumcised and named Jesus, the name given by the angel before the baby began to grow inside Mary. This is the word of the Lord. Names are important. We've just spent weeks singing about and reading scripture about the names for Jesus, prophetic names. We sang some of them this morning. When we sang carols sing, this is the last verse of that. Carols sing to the king, that's one name, Jesus Christ our Savior, so that's two names, Jesus Christ and Savior, actually it's kind of three, Wonderful Counselor, there's another one, Mighty God, another one, Redeemer, Son of God, Son of Man, all in all I see. That's a whole lot of names for a little baby in a manger. But God told Joseph and Mary that they should name that baby Jesus. Because names are important, there are lots of stories in the Bible about people's names and how they got them. There are stories about, how, about people whose names were changed. People like Abraham, whose name used to be Abram, and Sarah, whose name used to be Sarai. We all probably have a name, a, a story about our own name and how we came to have it. I'm named for two of my great-grandmothers, Amanda and Jane. I have a sweet friend who got her name because she was born in hot July, and her mother wanted to remember the cold, fresh air of Christmas by naming her Carol, like Christmas Carol. That's Carol Guyton. About 24 years ago, we found out that we were going to welcome a baby girl into our family. I had grown up knowing that any baby girl in my house would have the name Bethany or Elizabeth. Every doll that I had had one of those names. Some of them had both. But I didn't figure when I was a little girl on the opinion of the other parent in the picture when naming children. Craig loved his Mimi lot. He lived with her while he was in college, and she took care of him, and he took care of her. After he left college, he talked with her on the phone every week. While we were married, he talked with her on the phone every week. And right around the time that we found out that our baby was coming, Mimi got very sick. Craig traveled down to Louisiana to see her, and when he came back, he asked if we could talk about a name for our baby. We sat down at the kitchen table, and he pulled out his day timer. Anybody remember those? Day timers, anybody have one? He had one, and he pulled out his day timer, and he flipped it open to the notes section, and there was a little list there. He's famous for lists. Little list there, seven names, seven little numbers, and every little entry started with the name Valerie. That was it, Valerie, and lots of blanks beside them. And Mimi's name was Valerie. All I had to do was find a middle name to go with it. I was not happy about that. And I was somewhat flummoxed. And I still stay somewhat flummoxed, and I tell this story often. Valerie was not on my short list of names for my little girl. And those of you who know my family know how this 
story ends. We have a lovely daughter who's 23 years old, and her name is Valerie Elizabeth Lott. So we both got something, but we call her by her first name, Valerie. What I've come to realize is that Craig didn't just want things the way that he wanted them, which we all do sometimes. He wanted something different. He wanted our girl to be named after somebody that he loved. Somebody that he loved and somebody that he admired because he wanted her to reflect the way that his Mimi lived her life, quietly loving people with her whole heart. And she frequently gave voice to that love and would say to you, Amanda, I just love you with my whole heart. And that's how she talked. And often she would bake that love into famous pound cakes. Those pound cakes fed a lot of people. They fed a lot of hearts. And they helped people while they were recuperating and while they were grieving and while they were celebrating. The verses that we heard Philip read from the book of Numbers don't usually come up at Christmas. And we don't usually think about numbers when we talk about Christmas. But those verses recall a similar kind of desire to what Craig had for his daughter coming along. God gave Moses instructions to share with Aaron and Aaron's sons. The new revised standard version is what I use to study when I'm, when I'm preparing a sermon. The new revised standard version says that God said, So they shall put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. God wanted the Israelites to have God's name, and that that name would be a blessing. Wow. That's how much God loved those people. How much God hoped for and believed in those people. How much God wanted for those people to reflect God's purpose and to love those that they encountered. The passage I read from Luke ends with words related to the words from Numbers. God chose God's own name for God's own people. And God chose the name for God's own son. Those stories together make me think about several things. One, there's an, there's an implied act of obedient response on the part of the players in each of these stories. It wasn't a passive thing that God said and it happened. God said and somebody responded. Aaron and his sons would choose to obey the directive to assemble and bless the Israelites. And God would bless the Israelites with and through God's name. Mary and Joseph would choose to obey the directive to complete the Jewish law and give the baby the name that God sent through the angel because God was the baby's father. When you encounter God on a personal level, there does, there's a desire to respond with obedience, not a grumbling have-to kind of response, but a true, pure desire to please with action. When was the last time that you had a pure, true desire to respond obediently in a good way instead of a grumbling way. The second thing I see is when somebody takes on the name of, G of God, there's something that should change and be different about that person. We should be transformed by that new name. Just like Abraham was transformed from Abram into Abraham and Sarai was transformed into Sarah and then they went out and God created a great nation out of them. The Israelites in the story of Numbers, 
they were blessed by God when they took on God's name. And that blessing was obvious to all those they encountered. The Old Testament is full of stories of the differentness or the otherness of God's people. They were different than the people in the lands where they traveled because they had a relationship with God and the people that they encountered saw that they were different. Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus was most definitely different than others. He was God. Over the years, the Israelites who still wore God's name had lost the ability and the, to live and know the blessing of their otherness. They became more and more legalistic and less and less like the one whose name they wore. Jesus came to be a living picture of God with flesh and bones so that God's people could learn again of the blessing of wearing God's name. He came so that God's power and, well, God's godness, the blinding, majestic, mysterious nature of God that we so often put aside and don't think about, he came so that that part of God could be fulfilled, so that the name of God would again have the power to cause God's people to bend and be in awe of God. The shepherds bent at the manger. The kings who came later bent at the manger, not because it was a dirty, yucky place, but because they were bending and recognizing the lordship of God. The third thing I see is that we are called God's people. I often refer to us as God's people called Huguenot Road Baptist Church. God called all of us together in this place. We have a particular flavor and a particular personality all together, and God called us here as God's people. People who love God and follow Jesus are called God's people, Christians, when we choose to love God and follow Jesus with our lives. It's like when a woman gets married and takes on the name of her husband, or when a person is adopted, they take on the last name of the family who adopts them. It's like that. When I was a much younger person, and I was a very hopeful, much besotted girlfriend to the very dashing Craig Lott, I would spend time, like girls sometimes do, writing things like, Mrs. Amanda Lott, and just looking at it. And then I would write, Mrs. Craig Lott, and I would look at that for a little while. And then I would write, Amanda and Craig Lott, and I would just admire that. Mrs. Amanda B. Lott, that would be the official signature. And I was just waiting and hoping for the day that Craig would ask me to marry him and my name would become his name. I wanted to wear that name. I wanted to be a part of that family. I wanted to represent what they represented. The loving God and loving others part of Mimi that I introduced you to earlier. That's the kind of hopeful name-wearing that God's people are called to. We want to wear God's name. We want to see it written down somewhere. I am Amanda Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? Your last name could be Jesus. If you love God and follow Jesus and are sealed by his name, write down your name. Amanda B. Jesus. Sue Jesus, Philip, 
Jesus. That could be your name. That's what God wants is our hopeful wearing of his name. It's kind of like the monogram that I was talking about earlier and I showed the boys and girls. When we live a hope-filled life, a life that's been transformed by God and sealed by his giving us his name, a life that truly reflects the name that we wear, people are going to recognize that. People should look at us, they should be able to look at us, and they should see our otherness, our differentness, the transformation that occurs when we start wearing God's name. And they should look at us and say, oh, there's one of God's people. Or, oh, there's one of God's people. They're a little different. That's okay. We are called to be different because God is different. When we wear that name, we should be doing things that point people to the loving God who created us, who calls us to live in such a way that helps God's very kingdom to be present and real right where we are. You remember in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right here, as it is in heaven. We are asking God to help us help God's kingdom be here where we are, in and through us, not separate from us and not watching someone else do it, but us being a conduit of God's kingdom right here where we are. And wearing his name says that we are accepting that responsibility. But how do we do that? We aren't called to wear God's name in a pompous or prideful way. There's evidence in the scripture in the New Testament that the um, Pharisees and Sadducees walked around puffed up. I am called by God and I will do certain things and I won't do other things. And you should pay attention. That's not the kind of wearing God's name we're called to. Not prideful and pompous. But we're also not called to wear it in a nonchalant way. Pretending like it doesn't really matter much unless it's a Sunday. You know any Christians like that? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. But you don't see any evidence of it unless they're inside this building. And sometimes even when they're in this building, you don't see much evidence of it either. Instead, we are called to wear that name in a humble, meaningful way like Jesus did. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited or pompous or prideful, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, a baby, being born in human likeness, the baby, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the kind of wearing of God's name we are called to. We are called to wear God's name in a meaningful, transformative way, not just our own transformation, but so that others outside of us, outside of this place, can be transformed. Transformative ways like being nice to people who don't look like you do, or who take a lot of time in the checkout line at the grocery store, the people in front of you who have a bajillion coupons, 
or the cashier who can't seem to get it right, or the people who cut you off in traffic. I just drove 10 hours yesterday, and there were lots of opportunities to practice wearing God's name. Driving down the Lothian Turnpike presents its own set of challenges to wearing God's name as well. God's name transforms us into people who can make a difference right where we are, in our car, in the checkout line, in the mall. We're called to wear God's name in humble ways, like not judging people who don't have the same political bumper sticker you do. Or who don't wear the same kinds of clothes that you do, whether that's a headscarf or a robe or clothes that are tattered or clothes that are what you call fancy. Or people who speak another language, Spanish, Arabic, Chicago. God's name transforms us into people who are peacemakers and menders of fences instead of builders of said, said fences. Wearing God's name should be a blessing both to us, the person who wears it, and to those who encounter us, the purposeful acceptance and wearing of God's name comes with a recognition that it's not about us. It's about God through Jesus. We can and we should be living examples of knees bending at the name of Jesus, confessing with our voices, but also with our choices that Jesus is not just Lord of out there somewhere, but Lord of right here and right here. To the glory of God the Father. Amen.